This morning we actually finish up uh, a series we started a while ago on the disciples. We're going to look at the life of Peter. And uh, in order to get started, I'd love it if we would just bow our heads together and ask God to bless our time in His Word. Gracious Lord, we thank You for today. We thank You for Easter and this chance that it provides for us to sort of pause and especially remember the resurrection. Lord, this is something we should carry with us every day, uh, but today we set it aside and we, uh, we make special mention of it, uh, both in, in our worship and our own hearts and our minds. And Lord, we pray as we come to the text now that you would open up our eyes and ears to hear what you would say to us. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have you ever intended something to, to work out really well and then had it go horribly wrong? You know, you, in your mind, you had it all planned out. This is going to be perfect. This is going to work out great. And then it comes to ex, the execution, not the execution, hopefully, um, but, you know, carrying it out. And it just all comes apart on you. It just You just, it's good intentions gone bad. And you go, what happened? I, I, I hope for so much more than, than this. Uh, one of my favorite websites is Awkward Family Photos, Be, because it, it lets me see that in other people, and seeing failure in other people makes me feel better about myself, which it, it speaks a lot about who I am as a person, and, and we're not there yet, I know, but um, I just, we're just, it's, it's good to own it, I suppose. So, you know, but you, if, if you've been, has anybody been to Awkward Family Photos? It, it's pretty popular, Okay. So, so you know what makes Awkward Family Photos so funny is they didn't mean for it to be funny. You know, this is, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, they thought, man, wouldn't it be really cool if we all took a picture all wearing like, like denim everything, a denim tie, denim shoes, a denim hat, denim shirt and pants, wouldn't that be just totally awesome? And then you fast forward 10, 20, 30 years later and you're like, wow, what was that all about? Uh, I, I've got a couple pictures here, sort of, that, that we can all feel a little better about ourselves here. This kid, um, this was his school picture. His mom sent him to shirt in this really rockin' western-themed shirt, and he, he told his mom, he said, Mom, I hate this shirt. I don't want to wear it. And she said, you're going to wear it, and you're going to like it, and you're going to look good in it, and you're going to smile big for your pictures. Have you been there? Yeah. And he said, no, I hate this shirt. So he gets to school, and he's going to school in like Minnesota, and the Western theme hasn't come up there. And all his friends are making fun of him all day long. They're like, what are you wearing? You look horrible. And so he comes to picture time, and they're like, smile. And that's, that's the best he's got. That's all he's got. How about this, this one here? I, I don't know. I've thought a lot about this one. I'm not sure what, you know, they're like, man, wouldn't you really like to see your son in several poses with a chair? Wouldn't that be neat? I, I think really what we're looking at is the photographer probably had just got Photoshop, like, you know, the day before. And he thought, man, I could totally do so much with this. And, and he did. All right. Uh, next picture is maybe my favorite. Um, this, this little girl is so happy. She submitted this photo on herself. She's a, she's a grown woman now, and she's got over it. Um, she said she's smiling because it's the first time in several uh, hours or even a day that she hasn't had a headache. She said it, this, this whole thing started. Her mom had pulled her hair out, done the perm thing. And I don't, do, I don't understand perm, but she had it all ready to be permed, and the perm didn't take I don't understand the mechanics of perm and how it does or doesn't work, but perm doesn't take. And so then her aunt has the idea, well, let's pull it all real tight again 
in those sponge curler things at night. And so she slept on it. She said, I woke up with a headache. They took the curlers out and they brushed it. And she said, I finally had some relief. But the best they could do is sort of like pull it into like a French poodle kind of <laughs> do. And so she's just happy. She feels good. So this, yeah, this next one's my favorite. Um, this is her second birthday. And uh, she really liked clowns. She, uh, you know, they spared no expense. You know, this is the local clown uh, in their community, and he's just flat scary. You know, Scary the Clown came. It, they didn't mean for it to be scary. This is going to be a good time, you know, and this picture is going to be on somebody's mantle for the rest of their life. You know, it just didn't work out that way. That's how sometimes our good intentions go, is they go out in a blaze of glory, and sometimes we can laugh about them. There's other times we have good intentions and it doesn't work out and it's not so funny. Sometimes we have these really good intentions and they, they become very expensive. Uh, the Atlantic Monthly asked a bunch of business experts and investors not that long ago, what do you think were the worst business decisions made in the last 50 years? Here's just a sampling. 1983 Coca-Cola wanting to compete with Pepsi, decides to do away with Coke Classic and releases New Coke. New Coke is boycotted, and in three months, they bring back Coke Classic, New Coke never to be revived again. Uh, in uh, 1985, Apple fired Steve Jobs, and many investors and business analysts feel that it set the company back for a dozen years before driving it to near bankruptcy. Apple writes the ship how by hiring Steve Jobs back in 1997, making it the most financially valuable and influential tech company in the world. Uh, McDonald's in 2006 sold off uh, their shares in Chipotle, which is similar to Qdoba, uh, but 10 times better. If you've ever been to one, you know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> and they got rid of it, and now they're starting to see that people are eating less fast food and more like whole good food that's made quickly a la Chipotle. So they're going, this is probably a bad choice. But, but the worst of all the business decisions they came up with that I saw was in the 1970s, a young engineer by the name of Steve Sasson invented the world's first digital camera. The world's first digital camera. And if you're like most people, you've got one in your pocket, it's on your phone, um, and you just carry it with you. So he patents the invention, not for himself, but for his, his company, the company he works for. He gets the patent, secures it for his employer, and then goes and pitches it. And he goes, man, isn't this going to be so cool that we're going to be able to take pictures digitally and print them with a computer? And his bosses said, yeah, we're not real interested. And so they reject the idea. That was Kodak. Kodak is now trying to figure its way out of bankruptcy. Uh, but they had the very first digital camera ever. You know, it's a good intention. Nobody said, you know, I just want to fail today. No, we, we make good decisions with good intentions, and it goes bad. And sometimes it's funny, and sometimes it's expensive, and sometimes it just hurts. You know, a lot of people start out really well with great intentions, maybe in something like their marriage, and it all starts to come apart at the seams. Good intentions go bad. It leads to failure. Personally, perhaps you have experienced the sting of something like bankruptcy, where you go, you know, I just, we started out with some good intentions, but some things happened, and look where we are now. 
I think if you're in that boat, you can relate with something of the good intentions gone bad. You can probably relate to the disciple Peter. Uh, We read about Peter in John chapter 13, verse 36 through 38. Uh, John is giving us his intentions. Jesus has said, hey, listen, you know what's going to happen? It's going to be bad. Uh, I'm going to go. This part of the plan. I'm going to die. And Peter here, he's, he's... He's a little unsure about all this. Uh, Simon Peter said to him, he said, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow after. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, he said, will you lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. Peter here has got good intentions. You know, we might look at Peter's statement and go, that's a little bit of bravado. That's a little bit of, you know, just Peter's enthusiasm. But I think what it really does is it reveals Peter's heart. Peter says, you know what, Lord, I want to be with you. I want to be with you wherever you go. Wherever you go, I will follow you. If it takes my life from me, I'm going to give it to you. I want to follow. That's Peter's intention. But the problem is that good intentions don't always work out. Not every intention comes to fruition because our good intentions, just like Peter's, are not enough. Sometimes we have good intentions and we just run out of steam. We just run out of steam. We've got nothing left to give to what we've intended to do. Sometimes we run out of hours in the day. Sometimes we run out of days in the week. Sometimes we run out of courage to to really take it to the next level. Sometimes we just flat fail and we don't succeed. And this is Peter. Will Rogers is quoted as saying, if you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. This is good advice. But the problem is that while all of you have heard that probably ten times, uh, Peter comes before Will Rogers, okay, by about 2,000 years, okay? And so he didn't have the luxury of knowing this truth that Will Rogers would give, and so he continues to dig the hole a little bit deeper. They get up to the mountain, or the the Mount, Mount of Olives there, Gethsemane. Jesus is arrested. He's told them, you know, they're going to they're gonna take me. They're, I'm going to be betrayed. It's how it's going to go. And Peter defends the Prince of Peace with violence. He pulls out his butcher knife or a sword or whatever it is he's got with him at that point in time and hacks a servant's ear off. Why does Peter do that? Well, he's got good intentions. His, just, his impulse isn't quite right. Has your impulse ever got you into trouble? You know, impulse is something that sort of gets us. Very rarely do we say, you know, my impulse was right. I, that was so good. Normally we go, you know, I just acted on instinct. I reacted. I didn't respond. It was impulsive. And when we say impulsive, it's normally negative. You know, uh, think about impulse. How do we use impulse? Impulse uh, at the grocery store, right? You know, you've got the checkout counter there. The, the lady's checking you out while you're waiting in line. They've got, what do they got by the, the aisle there? They've got magazines, they've got candy, they've got gum, they've got Cokes there, cold Cokes, all at a good price point. And, you know, and your impulse, you just impulse buy. You're like, yeah, we, we totally need some Fritos. Or, man, you know, the Reese's egg is only out, you know, like a month a year. We should stock up. We should get probably a couple of these. This will help us in our weight loss plan that we've already failed at. This would be good. Let's get some of those. You know, I've never been to a grocery store where on impulse buy they had like long literary classics for sale. You know, like, like War and Peace, you know, is there. Right next to it would be carrot sticks and celery sticks and broccoli. 
And then you've got like bottles of water, you know, cold bottles of water, European, American, L.A. bottles of water all right there. You know, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be hard to resist? Go, man, kind of pick me up some warm peas and some carrot sticks. It's not going to happen because that's not our impulse. We don't sort of like impulse and say, yeah, let's, let's get some of the great works of literary fiction while we're here at the grocery store. Our impulses lead us to bad places. And that's what happens with Peter. Peter fails. He's got good intentions. He's got what he thinks are good impulses, but he keeps digging himself in this hole until finally it's so deep. Matthew records where it all just sort of comes to an end. If we come to Matthew chapter 26, we read there in the text starting at verse 73. It says, After a little while the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you are also one of them. For your accent betrays you. Then he, this is Peter, began to curse. And he swore an oath. He said, I do not know the man. At that moment, the cock crowed. Then Peter remembered what Jesus had said. Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Wow. Now, if you know the rest of the story, you know that that Jesus is going to come meet Peter there. But it's here in our failure that we feel this way. We reach our lowest point, but it's at this point of failure and and good intentions gone bad that Jesus meets us. Now, you probably expect to hear something like that on Easter, so I don't want to be the one to tell you that. I want to show you a video clip here. A man by the name of Louis Zamperini, if you've seen the movie Unbroken, read the book Unbroken, it's about him. Louis uh, was an Olympic runner, ran in the uh, Berlin Olympics. He was a POW. He was uh, tortured horrifically in a POW camp, came out, and because of the physical injuries he received in the camp, was unable to run and return to what he loved to do. He comes back. He's plagued with nightmares. Before they had invented what PTSD was, he had it, and he's plagued with it. He gets married, sort of on impulse. His nightmares continue, and a lot of it centers around this man called the Bird, who he's going to talk about a little bit, who was a particularly horrific guard. Um, but all of this changes. Uh, Louis is introduced by a man uh, who's a preacher at Eastside Christian Church in Anaheim, California. His name's Gene Apple. Uh, so let's go ahead and take a look at this and, and listen to Louis tell it. Tom. Louis leads a pretty remarkable life. You didn't see that part uh, in the movie, but he will be very quick, or was very quick, he, he passed just recently, to say that it was Christ that had turned his life around, had saved his marriage, had had saved who he was going to be. Jesus met him there at that point of brokenness, at that point of need, the same as he does for Peter. After the resurrection, we'll see Peter is still a failure, and Jesus meets Peter. And if you read this in the Gospel of John, you, you see that there's a peculiar detail that John explains to everybody. He says that, you know, that Jesus was there at a charcoal fire. And a lot of people go, well, what do we really care what kind of fire it is, John? You know, it could have been brushwood, it could have been, you know, dry wood, seasoned wood, you know, but you tell us it's a charcoal fire. What, what does it matter? Well, it, it matters because the last time we saw a charcoal fire, Peter was gathered at it. And at that charcoal fire, Peter swore that he did not know Jesus. And so here, Jesus comes to meet him at this very same place of failure and brokenness. 
We read about that there in John chapter 21, verse 15 through 18. It says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. The second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Right there in the midst of Peter's failing and his point of need, Jesus meets him and restores him and shows him love, bringing him back to the kingdom and bringing him back to a place of service. And it's Peter that will rise to a place of prominence among the disciples as a leader and the very first one that's given the opportunity to preach a gospel message the way that we think of it. But, but I would hate for us to romanticize this and assume that it all works out super easy because it doesn't. You know, later that same morning in John chapter 21, we'll see that Peter's been restored. And, and Jesus tells Peter, he says, hey, listen, Peter, you know, you're going to follow me and you're going you, you, to be led to a, a pretty rough death. You know, but you said you wanted to follow me and you said you wanted these types of things. And Peter, he has a moment of pause, I think, because he turns around and he sees the disciple John behind and he says, well, what about that guy? Is it going to be that rough for him? And Jesus says, you don't worry about him. You worry about you. You worry about what you need to do, Peter. Peter isn't perfect. He, he slips back. I, I knew a, a man in California who actually worked at our church for a little while. His name was Danny. He had come out of a gang uh, in L.A., had come forward at a church, had been baptized in Christ, leaves. Then he comes back the next Sunday, and he comes forward again and is rebaptized, and then he goes out that week, and then he comes forward again the third Sunday, and he is rebaptized. And this happens a, a, another time or two, until finally the minister says to him, he says, what's, what's going on, man? You've been forward, you know, like five times. You've been, you've been in this baptistry just about as often as I have been in this baptistry. What, what's the deal? And he said, well, I, I thought when you got baptized, you know, everything was different and everything was new, but I keep falling into the same kind of sin that I had before. And the preacher explains that, you know, baptism is the start of that. Uh, that's what Peter tells us, too, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter says to him, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, so your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, that, that marks the beginning of the Christian's life. And Peter understands this, I think, well. Peter himself, having received the Spirit, understands that the Spirit is at work in a believer's life over the long haul. You're not transformed instantaneously. You're forgiven right away. But that change takes time. You know, I, I've heard it said that, you know, being a Christian doesn't make you better than everybody else, but it hopefully makes you a little better than you used to be. And if you allow the Spirit enough time to work in your heart, and if you follow Jesus closely enough, you will find that your life is changed and transformed. Well, we have the, the ability to see Peter towards the end of his life. He writes an epistle, a, a letter to some churches, and we read this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. Peter says this, Now as an elder myself, this is somebody who's a leader in the church, he says, And a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you to tend the flock of God that is in your charge, 
Do you hear that word Jesus said, you know, feed my sheep, tend my lambs, care for my flock. Peter is using it here. Tend the flock of God in your charge. Exercising the oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you do it. Not for sordid gain, but eagerly. Do not lord it over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will win the crown of glory that never fades away. Peter here says, listen, you know, stay the course. It's a difficult road sometimes, but if you stay the course, you'll receive that crown of glory that never fades away. We're going to have our worship team come up, and we're going to sing a song of decision as we do every week, where we give, give you and everybody the opportunity to respond to the call of God in your life. We say, you know what, I, I want to make this right start with Christ. I want to, to start over. I want to make, make a new commitment. I want to make a commitment to Christ and to His church. If that's for you. We'll invite you to come forward as we sing this song. After we sing this, we're going to sing another song and prepare our hearts for communion. Uh, but right now, if you've got a decision to make, we'll invite you to come forward as we sing. Please be standing.